This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Okay, we need to talk. <laughs> About what? <laughs> That's not a good, no one wants to hear those words. <laughs> we need, we to, need talk. to talk. So, you know how we share, so we share access to um, the WOMED Instagram page. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know that you used to run the WOMED Instagram page before I was part of the Equation, um, which is great and amazing. But you follow, the WOMED follows so many like nasty wound and like pimple popping accounts. I literally only follow Dr. Pimple Popper. Okay. I don't, I, I strongly do not believe that because every time uh, you have access, look at, look no, at the followers. Every time I open up, if you look at the Explorer page, that's, they're just going to show it because the pimple popper videos keep popping up. No, literally our Explorer page. And every single time I open up the WOMED Instagram, like something shocks my nervous system into a disgusting, <laughs> like it's like a disgusting fucking like there should be a trigger warning every time I open up the WOMED Instagram it's disgusting it's like and like I joke that like I'm the worst nurse ever because I don't like there's a lot of things that I don't like about like gross things like I what's your what's your I cannot handle as a nurse and see this is this is the problem is like I have a I have a few but if I had to pick my top two I I have to pick two because I can't just pick one so my top two Mm -hmm. would be like stage four sacral ulcers, like where you can see the bone. Like I can't, like, I just can't Mm -hmm. like, especially in like, this sounds mean, but like, especially with a patient that like is not continent, like a bowel and bladder and it's just like a hot mess. And it's just like, Oh my God, it makes me want to like puke. Just thinking about it. You got to irrigate that shit. Oh God. Like where you just keep packing it and like the limit does not exist. Like you're just like packing, packing. (laughs) The limit does not exist. (laughs) Okay. Wait, I didn't tell you my other one. I still have another okay, one. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Okay, fine, so that go. was my first one. And then the other one is um is trach care. I'm sorry. Like I hate trachs. I hate trachs. You don't so even weird. don't even with me because like trachs trachs on a neonate is not the same as a trach on an adult. So don't Fair. even with me. Fair. Do trach care on a on an adult and then come talk to me. Fair. Okay, but for real though, like this episode today. What the hell? It's the shit, man. I <laughs> but then, you know. Asking Sarah Gaines to come on your podcast and talk about the thing that she is literally the most passionate about, has mm-hmm. built her entire career upon. I know. It's easy. Yeah. I know. We were so lucky to have her on for this episode f- during this, like, insane time where all eyes are on travel nursing. Like, everyone wants to know the tea about travel nursing mm-hmm. right now. And we have, like, the freaking expert just breaking it down and giving all of the mm-hmm. advice. I'm so glad to just selfishly have this episode so I can just forward it along to everyone that asks me questions about travel nursing that I don't yes. know the answer to. I'm going to be like, you know what? I don't know. But listen to this episode because she literally answers all of your travel nursing questions. Sarah's the best. Truly. I mean, yeah, we'll link everything for her in the show notes and at the end of the episode. But without further ado, Sarah Gaines. Hi, friend. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Hey, Jackie. Nice to meet you. Jackie, Sarah, Sarah, Jackie. Hi, nice hi. to meet you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> How many travel assignments have you done now? 
I tell people all the time, I stopped counting at like 20, like probably 20 or 30. I've been traveling since 2015. So, oh my God. It's crazy. I've been a travel nurse longer than I was a staff nurse, which is really weird. I've been a nurse for 10 years and I've been traveling for seven. Wow. And we were just talking too about how you pick up on different things like everywhere you go and with charting. And that's so funny you bring that up because I was trained in Illinois, which is actually the, (laughs) I don't know if this is still true, so don't quote me, but apparently it's the, it's the state where nurses get sued the most because there's like no, there's no cap to suing nurses. So when I was trained, I was trained very, very diligently about charting and how to kind of like cover your ass when you chart. And then when I went to work as a nurse in North Carolina, no one charted like that. Like I'm over here, like covering my ass with every little thing that happens in my charting And in North Carolina, it was not like that at all. Like everyone was like, why are you charting that? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, y'all don't like, you guys don't get sued here? Like, why are you not worried? (laughs) And so now that I teach nursing students, I teach them, like I I genuinely teach them um, to chart to cover their ass because that's how I learned. Mm -hmm. That's how I learned in school. And that, but you're right. That seems really different in in the South too, that, you know, people don't have the same charting etiquette. I agree. I think that um, it definitely varies depending on where you're at. And I learned a lot of my charting knowledge actually from one one of the assignments that I was on. The doctor just happened, one of the doctors that worked there just happened to do like legal consulting and stuff like that. And so every Wednesday, I'm in labor and delivery and the patient has 21 years to sue you in labor and delivery, which is like one of the big differences. And so, yeah, 21 years. And so every Wednesday, he would hold classes and talk about like the case he did that week and be like, you know, this was the nurse and this is what she charted and this is why she went down. And this is and it was so informative. And the staff nurses that work there, they're like, girl, he does that every Wednesday. Like they didn't like really appreciate it like I did. And as a traveler, I was like, can I come to the class? He was like, yeah, come on. I went every Wednesday religiously. And it was just it was really informative. It was really great. And it was real life cases, which it really, you know, sticks with you. That's amazing. I had no, oh my God, <laughs> 21 years, statute of limitations on an L&D mishap. No, that's Ooh. a real thing. My twin sister's a midwife and she talks about that. The, like with the, um, the insurance, that's why some of their insurance is so high is because mm-hmm. you can sue for up to, isn't that crazy? And oh also God. think about it. Like, the ch- I feel like, I mean, I don't have any stats on this, but I'm pretty sure out of all the specialties, labor and delivery has the highest lawsuits simply because when you come into labor and delivery, you expect to have a healthy baby. So mm-hmm. if something happens to that baby, oh, they're going to sue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they're, they're pissed. They're mad. You don't expect any bad things to happen. So yeah, patients are definitely looking for someone to blame even you know if it's not our fault sometimes you know things happen it is what it is but yeah. the patient is not trying to hear that and I've heard so yeah. many D nurses tell me it's not if you get sued it's just when so just chart good and just be ready you'd be a good nurse bad nurse it's three coming. failed <laughs> vacuum attempts oh yeah that 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 physician got sued <laughs> I like literally have nightmares about someone just showing up to my house with like serving me papers like I'm like waiting for the day I'm oh, like God. 
What's your specialty, Jackie? <laughs> it was in um med search, just like I worked in neuro and then cardiology. And then now I'm almost done with FNP school, which is like where I'm just meant to be, where there's not <laughs> as much suing. My preceptor's <laughs> like, it's hard to kill people in primary care. <laughs> I'm like, this is what, this is why, this is my place. Like, I have too much anxiety for the hospital. Like, don't no, sue me. Seriously. And another fun fact for you guys that I actually learned. So we had like a nurse lawyer inside, like inside the mass, uh, the travel nurse course. We do monthly master classes with industry experts, and we had a lawyer come and talk about like charting and stuff, oh, and being sued. And she actually said travelers are a lot less likely to be sued than staff nurses. She said hospitals will actually fight to like get the travel nurses off. Like if if someone is suing and they list the travel nurse, the hospitals don't want that because it opens up a can of worms. Because if you're in court and it's like, oh, you hired a travel nurse because you were short staffed, you only trained them for one hour. Like then it just opens up like a domino effect. So she was like, I've literally seen hospitals be like, take all the travelers off. Like, (laughs) so she said, we're good in that aspect. I thought we'd be like a higher chance of being sued because the hospital doesn't really have our back, but she's like, no, they don't want to open up that can of worms. And then she also said, honestly, just us working in the middle of the pandemic with all the conditions and stuff, she said the chances of like a nurse's nurse being sued for it's unprecedented conditions right now, you know, like Mm -hmm. all the crazy stuff that's happened in the ICU, us being completely out of ratio. You can't sue a nurse for that. She can't go down for that because she was out of ratio. Like, what can you do? It's, it's sad, but you know, it's the truth. So that was actually really like reassuring when she explained that. I think that's that's one thing that, you know, at the start of the pandemic and with all these like viral waves and stuff that were coming and surges, I had a lot of guilt about not being at the bedside and like but I'm I kept telling myself I'm like I don't know adults. Like my whole experience has been in neonates. Like I don't I don't remember vents for vent settings for adults. I don't adult drips like that's a whole other different world. I just like (laughs) I had myself convinced that I would not be like helpful in those (laughs) situations because I'd have to be retrained. And but like if I'm least likely to get sued, then (laughs) like something happens. But no, there, there, I've, I've heard that too. That there's a lot of you know grace around or leeway, like gray area because of just the un- completely unprecedented times like we we didn't we didn't know how to treat the virus we were basically just guessing you know and trying to figure out what what works yeah we were doing the best we could with the limited resources that we had at the time and i can definitely relate to you when it comes to not being at the bedside i was feeling like guilty and torn about it for a while because a few months into the pandemic, I was still working as a traveler and the hospital asked me if I wanted to extend. And I said, no, (laughs) I was like, that was right when they were like, you know what, you're going to have to start reusing your mask. And I was like, what you want me to read? No, I was just not okay with that. And thankfully, like I was in the position financially where I could say no and walk away. And then, but also 
So yes, part of me felt torn because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a nurse. I should be working, you know, I should be at the bedside. But then on the flip side of it, I'm like, no, I am helping other nurses, empowering other nurses to get the pay they deserve and really leverage this, you know, this time. So it's not the worst time in their lives, but they can really leverage it to like build wealth and build the life they deserve. So they have the freedom and opportunity to walk away. Because that's why I'm not burnt out as a nurse, because I pick up assignments when I want to. (laughs) Yes. And that is it. And it makes a huge difference like in work-life balance. But yes, I can definitely relate to you when it comes to that. I'm proud of you. Not that you need my, my, proud of me, but like when anyone asks me things about travel nursing, I'm like, don't ask me. You need to talk to Sarah. Are you following Sarah Gaines? Because Sarah Gaines and uh, her whole program, like six figure nurse is that's going to tell you everything that you need to know. Like you need to go and talk to her, follow her, join her, um, her, her program because you have, I didn't know that you were having, um, like experts and stuff come in. And I mean, that's brilliant. (laughs) I I love it. Like it's, it's kind of crazy because when I initially started it a few years ago, I honestly started the six figure travel nurse course out of frustration. And it's crazy that we're having this whole conversation now. And we're going to talk about the travel nurse pay cap and stuff because the reason why the, you know, the government, they want to investigate these travel nurse agencies is because it's not really about a pay cap. It's because these agencies are increasing their bill rate to increase their bottom line and more is going to the agency and less is going to the nurse. These agencies mm-hmm. are taking more of a profit. So instead of worrying about a pay cap, these nurses really should be worried about how much these nurse, these agencies are actually taken out of our pockets. And it's crazy because like, unfortunately, nurses are constantly being exploited. You know, like you start off at the bedside at the hospital and so many nurses feel overworked and underpaid and they jump into travel nursing because they want more like control over their career. And then you jump into travel nursing and you realize, oh my God, I'm being exploited by the agency now. And it was so frustrating for me Mm -hmm. when I first started my career. And that's literally why the travel nurse course exists because unfortunately nurses are constantly being exploited and that sucks. Like, there's really no, like, nice way to put it. (laughs) So how were you, how did you transition then to start counseling people more so through the pandemic? Like, just take us back to, like, the beginning of of two years ago when things started to change and how you kind of help nurses navigate the beginning of the pandemic and then, like, until now where we are seeing so many changes. Yeah. So let's see. I started the Six Figure Travel Nurse course in 2018, and it's hilarious (laughs) because I was, I felt like I was screaming, travel nursing is amazing. You can make so much more money. You can work less hours and no one believed me. (laughs) Sarah, I just have to stop you because like you guys are going to laugh. I was saying that I I literally just came from the hospital to teach my nursing students today. And I was asking them like, oh, like what specialty do you guys want to get into? These are bachelor's nursing students on their, literally on their second clinical rotation in nursing school. They go, well, I really want to be a travel nurse. When I was in nursing school, I hadn't even heard of travel nursing. I had no idea what it was. And there wasn't. And then when I started my staff job, 
we didn't, they didn't hire travelers. I did not know what travel nursing was. And I initially thought it was a whole scam. The first recruiter that called me, I hung up in their face because I thought they were lying. And it's hilarious thinking back because when I created the six figure travel nurse course and people would see like my ads on Facebook, nurses would literally comment and be like, that's a scam. There's no way. There's no way that you could be a travel nurse and double your income and work half the hours. I, you're lying. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying. So when the pandemic happened, it actually helped me because I felt like travel nursing was such a hidden gem and no one <laughs> believed me. And then when the pandemic happened, travel nursing is obviously much, much, much more known. And so it kind of, I I honestly took it as a sign from God because I was kind of at the point in my career, in my business where they were both colliding. I love being a labor and delivery nurse. I love working at the bedside. I just love it. There's nothing else like labor and delivery. And so I was really holding on to those travel nursing contracts. But honestly, me trying to balance a my business full-time and trying to work full-time I was barely making it. And then so a few months into the pandemic, when it came to, you know, me making the decision to either extend my contract or just go full time into my business, I honestly felt like that was the best thing to do because I felt super fed up and frustrated with the way that I was, you know, being treated and everything that was going on. And I also felt super blessed that I had leveraged my travel nursing career to where I could get to the point where I could walk away from the bedside if I wanted to. And I just, it just hit me like, wait a minute, that's, that's exactly what I teach nurses in my course. Like, I felt like it was a sign from God. Okay. Walk away from this so you can focus full time on your business. And then it just literally exploded from there. And Honestly, every single year since the course has opened, it has doubled, tripled, quadrupled. The community has just grown and grown and grown by word of mouth. <laughs> Nurses literally are like, this changed my life. This is amazing. I told my friend, I remember <laughs> last year, a whole unit signed up. One nurse was in the course and she was like, girl, you gave me the tea. I jumped into travel nursing. Then I called the nurses on the unit. <laughs> they were like, can we all sign up? I'm like, here, let me give you a discount here. Here, all 20 of y'all. Come on, come on. <laughs> So like, yeah, that's kind of how I um, transitioned to it in the pandemic. I just heard so many nurses. I just, I was in everyone's shoes. I did, I, I guess like the, the demand, of, I feel like the pain point was finally there. Like in the past, travel nursing was kind of like, oh, that, that's a cool, fun thing to do. Maybe I'll consider it next year. But when the pandemic hit, it was like for many nurses, that was their turning point of like, no, I deserve better and I need to do this like for my mental health, for my freedom, to take more control of my career, to take some just to have the freedom to take some time off. I need to jump into travel nursing. It turned from a want to a need for many, many nurses. And for me, I had that realization, you know, back in 2015 when my dad passed away and my vacation, my uh, time off request was denied. That was my breaking point. And I feel like many nurses had that a similar situation or breaking point, you know, during the pandemic, whatever it was, they were like, you know what? No, I'm jumping into travel nursing because I need to do something better. You know, that's not it's not an uncommon theme. I've heard that so much throughout the 
throughout the pandemic. And it's that's part of the major, you know, nursing shortage and stuff that like hospitals are facing right now, too, because a nurses are, are reaching this like massive breaking point because they've just taken on and seen so much death and hardship and asked to do more and more and more. And hospitals aren't, aren't compensating them. And they're hearing about their friends who's like just took a crisis assignment in Denver or New York. And, you know, they're making all this being compensated, you know, they're making great money. And so they're leaving. And so these hospitals are losing like half their staff to try that are going to do travel nursing where, you know, they feel like they're being taken care of finally. So it's a place where they can, like you said, take care of their mental health, take a break if they need to. It's, oh, there's so many things wrong with the hospital systems, but I'm... (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm like, there's so many ways this conversation can go because it's definitely a deep and complex issue. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you. For me, travel nursing was ultimately about work-life balance. I feel Mm -hmm. like many people initially jump into travel nursing for the money, but they stay in travel nursing because of the freedom and the work-life balance. Because when you try to go back to your staff job after being a travel nurse, it's like, but what do you mean I can't take off whenever I want to? Uh -uh, I can't do that. I'm sorry, my PTO is not granted. I'm, what's the seniority bullshit? Like, are you telling me I have to work Christmas and New Year's? People are always shocked when I tell them I have not worked a holiday in seven years because I've been a travel nurse for seven years. I love what you said, um, especially like what you said earlier about being able to be in a position where you are picking up contracts because you want to, and because you want to get back in the hospital. That is like, to me, like the dream, like that is like, I feel like every nurse is truly the dream to be able to do what we love and take care of people, but not at the price that often comes with working as a staff nurse. And mm-hmm. I think that there's like a lot of myths to to debunk about travel nursing. So maybe we can save that for the end, like some rapid fire stuff. But yeah. I want to dive a little bit deeper just into the more recent things that are going on right now with capping um, pay. Because I, already what you said, I think just it debunks a huge misconception that people are trying to um, like cap nurses individual pay whereas you're kind of saying no it's more so about the the agencies also taking advantage is that right yes so I actually I have the letter pulled up in front of me and I'm gonna read it and um because I feel like a lot of assumptions came from the letter and the way people are translating it I guess it's their opinion. You know, it is what it is. But when I actually read the letter word for word, it, first of all, it doesn't even mention pay cap at all. Like it just doesn't. (laughs) So I was pretty shocked when I saw that. I was like, oh, it doesn't even mention pay cap. The letter that was actually sent, it was 195 members of Congress and it was led by Peter Welch and Morgan Griffith, and it was sent to the White House's COVID-19 response team. And the letter says, I quote, we have received reports that the nurse staffing agencies are vastly inflating price by two, three, or more times pre-pandemic rates, and then taking 40% or more of the amount being charged to the hospitals for themselves in profits. So the way that I translate that, you know, for me, the way I took it was, okay, staffing agencies are increasing the bill rate 
they charge hospitals for travelers, and they're keeping a larger percentage of that bill rate for themselves instead of giving it to the travel nurses. So for me as a travel nurse, I wouldn't mind a little investigation, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Because as a travel nurse, no one likes to feel exploited. And different agencies do have, you know, different contracts and it can be the same contract for the same hospital, but I guarantee you, and it's not going to be the same rate. And it is honestly insane how much the rates can vary. And honestly, that's why the Six Figure Travel Nurse course even exists because nurses jump into travel nursing. They're naive. And unfortunately, some agencies, not all, but some agencies really do exploit the fact that they're naive. Most of the time when people enroll in my course, the first thing they tell me is, well, Sarah, I was really excited because I got a great rate. It was higher than what my staff job was paying me. But then I got there and the same nurse on the same unit for the same contract was getting paid thousands of dollars more a week than me. A week. That is crazy. Wow. There should not be a thousand, two thousand dollar pay gap, you know, between those two nurses. So I think an investigation, and let me read the rest of the letter. So the second part of the letter says, we urge you to enlist one or more of the federal agencies with competition and consumer protection authority to investigate this conduct to determine if it is the product of anti-competitive activity or violates consumer protection laws. How I translate that is basically Congress is requesting an investigation to see if these staffing agencies who've obviously made huge profits from the pandemic see if they've broken any laws in the process. So I, from for me, when I read the letter, I felt like that was harmless. They're requesting an investigation. They're not. Now the pay cap thing is a huge assumption that people are making from, you know, they're assuming, oh, they're going to investigate it and then they're going to cap nurses and they're going to cap the agency. And I want to debunk that rumor as well because Mr. Griffith, Actually, so the initial letter was sent on back in January, and then Griffith Griffith issued another statement in February, and he actually labeled it disinformation about the letter because there are so many viral posts talking about capping the pay. And he said, the bipartisan letter I sent to the White House asked about potential illegal practices by staffing agencies that charge high rates and then keep that money for themselves, not nurses. Rumors are that middlemen staffing agencies keep as much as 40% of the money they charge for nurses instead of giving more money to the nurses. He also said, I do not and will not support legislation to cap nurses' pay. Anything to the contrary is fake news. I love that you've done this research and I'm <laughs> I it also brought up a question that I guess like I really didn't know the answer to or like how, do agencies make the crisis rates or are hospitals like we have this much allotted and this like we will we'll pay this nurse like $10,000 a week to come and and help us right now cuz we're just so desperate. It's like who makes the who makes the initial rates? This is actually a really interesting debate because 
you know, before we met up today, you know, I definitely did my research because I would, I would, I did not want to be part of the nurses that was spreading any misinformation. Right. <laughs> so we don't like misinformation to... on here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I actually talked to a few different um, recruiters and a mm-hmm. few different staffing agencies, and it was an interesting debate because. You know, the hospital is like, we don't make up the rate. The agency's like, we don't make up the rate. But I think, honestly, the rate depends on the demand and the hospital's budget. So I can say it's kind of 50-50, right? Because the hospital's argument is like, well, these agencies are charging us X amount of money. And um, the agencies are like, well, basically the rates fluctuate depending on, you know, say the rate is $5,000 a week, right? Mm-hmm. And the issue is supply and demand. It, with COVID, obviously the demand shot up. And so say a, a demand for an ICU nurse at one hospital, hospital A is like, listen, we'll pay $5,000 a week for this ICU nurse. And then hospital B is like, well, you know, we'll pay $5,000 a week too. And they're not getting the nurse, not getting the nurse. Well, hospital B is like, you know what? We just got this FEMA contract and they gave us all this money. So we're going to raise it to $7,000 a week. And so of course, the nurses are going to go over to the $7,000 week contract. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, hospital A that's charging $5,000 a week, if they want more nurses, guess what? They're going to have to raise their prices. So Mm -hmm. hospital A is kind of blaming the agency. Well, well, why are you charging the price? It's not like the agency is increasing the prices. It's more about supply and demand and the hospitals are bidding for the nurses. (laughs) That's what it comes down to. That's what really regulates, you know, the rates. So yeah, did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. It's it's just very it, supply and demand is the best answer for it because yeah. It, it's a little bit of both. <laughs> it is. It's a little bit of both. It comes down to supply and demand and also I think this conversation gets so like convoluted on social media and stuff like that because a lot of people have a lot of opinions about, you know, the rates and what fluctuating up and down and many people aren't in the industry, they're not travel nurses themselves, or they they don't work with agencies and understand the bill rate and what comes out of it and how the rates fluctuate and stuff like that. But rates fluctuating is not new. <laughs> it's not new. Rates fluctuate all the time in travel nursing. The only difference is the fluctuations are a lot more volatile due to the pandemic. You know, they're shooting up and down because of the crises that have been, you know, happening with the demand due to COVID. But, you know, I've been traveling since 2015 and I did 15 crisis rate contracts before the pandemic. And people are always shocked to hear that. I'm like, listen, I was the crisis contract queen. That's all I did. I love the <laughs> crisis rate. Okay. Um, and I did that pre-pandemic. So rates have, and honestly, that's really what we, you know, dive deep into inside of my program. Because if you're smart about travel nursing and you understand how to leverage your specialty and the demand you can grab on to those premium contracts. doesn't matter pandemic or not. There's always going to be crisis rates. And that's another rumor I want to be debunk. Oh, the, the crisis rates are going away. Crisis rates existed before the pandemic and they're going to exist after the pandemic simply because of supply and demand. It's not like all of a sudden we have plenty of nurses. Now, will the rate still say like, 
extremely elevated high $10,000, $12,000 a week like we've seen in the past? Most likely not, unless there's another crazy surge. But I can tell you, there's many things that affect the demand. For example, a natural disaster. I did a crisis rate contract during like a hurricane, mm-hmm. during the fires in California. Also, I did a crisis rate contract. This is hilarious. I did a crisis rate, crisis rate contract on a unit because I think they had 20 nurses and 14 of, 14 of them all got pregnant at the same time. <laughs> so <laughs> that unit was in a crisis, right? And they needed That'll do it. travel nurses ASAP. And that's Don't why drink that water. Nurses- <laughs> that's exactly what I said uh, during the interview. I was like, I mean, I'll come, but I got to make sure I don't drink y'all's water. I mean, I know what <laughs> y'all got going on over there. <laughs> so wow. long story short, yeah, rates are, they fluctuate constantly all the time. And as a travel nurse, it's really about understanding the market, following the trends and latching on to those premium contracts when you see them. Wow. Nursing is so lucky to have your wealth of (laughs) not just knowledge, but experience. Like you were saying, you did this for years before travel nursing really boomed. And I know like I I joke, like my nursing students have not even taken the NCLEX and they're already asking about how to become a travel nurse. (laughs) So what are some other things in your course that like, if people are kind of like on the bubble thinking that maybe travel nursing is for them, what are some other things? Like, what do you offer in in your course? Do you have different um, like options or is it just like one course fits all? Oh, this is a great question. So for the Six Figure Travel Nurse course and community, you do have to be a registered nurse with experience because... Sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Simply because the course is really designed for you to jump in and take action. And as you go through each lesson, there is action steps and accountability calls. It's like, are you ready? Did you call the company? Did you speak to the recruiter? Let's go. Are you reviewing contracts? Let's get it. Usually within the first 30, 60, 90 days, nurses are landing their first six-figure contract and you know living their best life. The course is really designed to get results. But what I can say for the nursing students out there, there's a ton of nursing students who follow me on Instagram. And it's kind of mind-blowing because the course has been open for a couple of years now. So I've, there's nurses in the course now that are like, yeah, I started following you when I started my BSN four years ago. And now I'm in your course. I'm like, that's crazy. It's like that's really, so really cool. cool to see that happen. It's like amazing. But if you are a nursing student that is interested in travel nursing, I would say to try your best to start off at a level one trauma center and get inpatient hospital experience. That is ultimately going to make you much more marketable as a travel nurse. There's definitely, you know, outpatient positions and other positions, but they're just not as in high demand. So historically, if you get that inpatient hospital experience, that'll really set yourself up for success. The reason why I say a level one trauma center is because you're going to get a higher volume of patients in, you know, a shorter amount of time. And they're also going to be higher acuity patients. So you'll have many more opportunities to take care of sicker patients, which means you're going to build a stronger skill set in half the time. So any nursing students listening out there, level one trauma center. And then another question I get all the time is, what specialty should I go into if I'm a travel nurse and go for the specialty that you're passionate about? Because burnout is real. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
<laughs> burnout is real and nursing yes. is hard. And if you don't like your specialty now, jumping into travel nursing is not going to make you like it. It's actually going to exacerbate it. And it's going to make you hate it <laughs> mm-hmm. because you are going to be busy as a travel nurse. So go into the specialty that you love. And if you do that, you'll dive into it and learn the most you can. Like me, I'm an LND nurse. I love labor and delivery. And before I even started travel nursing, now I know all these things that make you more marketable and all that stuff. But before I even knew all that, I dove into, I took all the extra classes. I got all my certifications because I was just truly interested in how I can be a better labor and delivery nurse. When I had the opportunity to cross-train in the ICU so I could take care of the ICU status, labor and delivery patients, I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to do that. And so I trained to do that. When I had the opportunity to float to antepartum, NICU, triage, I was so excited to learn and soak up that knowledge. And little did I know that worked in my favor. When I became a travel nurse, they hopped right. They were like, what? Girl, you can do this. You can do that. Oh, that's that's awesome. So if you love your specialty, you will naturally excel in that specialty and um, you'll naturally learn and build your skill set and become a really great nurse, which will make you more marketable as a traveler. This is why I tell everybody to follow you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you just I'm like looking at my myth debunking like list already. And that was that was like the top one is I think there's a this huge myth that you have to do med surge. Yeah, that you have to do adults or you have to do med surge to get into travel nursing. So we are you are saying that is absolutely not true. Absolutely not true. I know the key to really thriving as a travel nurse is no matter what your specialty is, Be the best of the best within your specialty. Have the strongest skill set within your specialty. There are literally over 100,000 travel nursing positions posted all across the nation right now at the moment we are speaking, okay? So there are jobs for every specialty. The issue that people run into is some specialties are in higher demand than other specialties, depending on the time of the year and what's going on in the world. But whether the contracts are competitive or not, I'm never worried. Why? Because I built up my skill set and I'm the best of the best in my specialty. So if I see a premium L&D contract, oh, I'm going to get it. (laughs) (laughs) So no matter what specialty you are, if you're the best of the best and you built up a strong skill set, you'll be able to land premium contracts. They're, They're definitely out there. And I think that's why a lot of nurses are kind of freaking out. Oh, the the good rates, the pandemic rates are going away. And there was premium contracts before the pandemic. There's going to continue to be premium contracts. They're just going to be more competitive. There's a lot more people in travel nursing right now. That is true. And contracts are more competitive. So what can you do to stand out within your specialty? So you don't think travel nursing is going anywhere at the moment? Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm absolutely, that's another, you know, huge myth. I feel like many nurses look at travel nursing as a temporary thing to do, right? Like, let me jump into travel nursing, do a couple, couple of contracts to reach this short monetary goal, you know, whatever it may be. Let me do three contracts to pay for my wedding. Let me do three contracts to pay off my car, whatever it may be. And then let me go back to the staff job that I've hated. <laughs> and I, I that was my plan as well, because I didn't know, you know, when my dad passed away, 
my family was in a tough like financial position. And I was like, let me just jump into travel nursing and make some extra money to help out my family. And then I'm just going to go to another staff job. But, you know, once I got access to the freedom that I had with travel nursing, I said, wait a minute, I got to figure out a way to do this long term. And I didn't know any other travel nurses that did it long term. And people are always shocked when I tell them I am a career travel nurse. I don't I don't just I'm not doing this just for fun. This is my (laughs) career. This is what I do. And that's what the six figure travel nurse course is about. It's not for the nurse who's like, oh, let me just do one or two crisis rate contracts and just make some quick money. It's about the nurse who wants to build a lasting career as a thriving travel nurse who truly is able to work less and travel more. And the the course really focuses on not only landing those premium paying contracts, but leveraging each and every single assignment to increase your earning potential, not for that contract, but for a lifetime. That's what I'm all about. Yeah. I love that because that also reminds me of another myth. I think it's very similar. And it's this myth that people have to be like in a certain stage of their life to be a travel nurse. Like, I think there's this like this cliche of it's like a single person without a family and without kids. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like this like cliche, like it has to be the right time in my life to do this. Totally agree. And a lot of people feel like you have to be young single yeah um to be a travel nurse and let me tell you there's a nurse in the six figure travel nurse course who is 68 years old okay she's like listen i you know i'm retired she was you know recently widowed her kids were grown and actually traveling and living in different uh, countries and she was like i want to be able to just her basically she said i want to be able to travel live my best life but also make some good money and she still loves being a nurse and so travel nursing was the perfect solution to her problem she didn't want to be bored at home she wanted the freedom to pick up some contract make some great money and live in beautiful places like hawaii and california and stuff like that and then take time off in between those contracts to go visit her children who have you know built lives in other countries which is really cool so it was the perfect balance for her. The nurses inside of the six-figure travel nurse community actually break them up into smaller groups so they can connect with other nurses that are in similar positions as them because obviously it's super helpful to be surrounded by like-minded nurses who have similar goals. So Mm -hmm. there's a whole subgroup inside of the six-figure travel nurse course of nurses with kids. (laughs) Nurses who travel with their family. There's a nurse uh, I was talking to a couple of days ago and she's amazing. And she was terrified to jump into travel nursing. And she's on her first contract. She's making great money. She's having a good old time. And she has three kids and they're all under four. And <laughs> she is travel Go nursing. Mom. Okay. <laughs> she is amazing. And like, long story short, of course, everyone has different priorities and different goals. And I'm all about aligning. I feel like travel nursing truly gives you the the opportunity to align your career with your personal and your financial goals. It gives you the flexibility to really build the lifestyle that you didn't think was possible. You don't have the limitations of staff nursing. And I find out, you know, when I talk to many nurses who are at a staff job, I'm like, well, I just really can't leave. I'm like, well, can you just not leave? Or maybe you have a limited mindset. Let me open your mind to the opportunities and the possibilities that are 
out there. And honestly, that's why my Instagram page just blew up and so many people follow me because they're like, girl, I did not know. I didn't know that was an option. Wait a minute. (laughs) You changed my perspective on travel nursing and how I can leverage it to fit my lifestyle and reach my goals. That's so cool. (laughs) I guess like that reminds me of something else that I found out recently and didn't, and this, maybe this was a misconception of my own, but people picking up travel assignments or contracts in the place that like in their hometown. So like not travel nursing doesn't necessarily mean you like have to physically even travel. Yes. So you can pick up a local contract. Yes. And you can travel locally. Why? Why Why then is anyone like working as a staff nurse? (laughs) Like, I don't understand. Like you're talking to the wrong person. I'm completely biased. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I need to redo like the last five years of my life. That'll that'll lead us into the deeper conversation of like <laughs> the problematic areas of nursing. Yes. And why like, why we leave for more pay is because we, we aren't compensated fairly in the first place and we're unhappy. I agree one thousand percent. I feel like at the end of the day, nurses min I mean, nurses have finally figured out their worth. That's what I think. I mm-hmm. think this pandemic has left a lot of nurses feeling fed up. They've, it's been a breaking point for many nurses and they've jumped into travel nursing. And I know a lot of nurses, you know, were talking about the pay cap or the possibility of the pay cap. And honestly, I don't think it's going to happen at all. But let's say it did. It's not going to work because many travel nurses are just not willing to go. Once you f- f- feel that taste of freedom, many travel nurses are not going to go back to staff nursing and they have the income saved up to just not work. They'll just leave nursing completely. So the pay cap, if it were to happen, it just wouldn't be sufficient. It wouldn't work. <laughs> Quote me on that one. <laughs> Hell freaking yes. Quoted. Mike Trump. All right. <laughs> I actually think an interesting thing that would happen, I was um, talking to some of the nurses in the course about it. I think it would actually have a rebound effect if there mm. if there was truly a pay cap. I think that many travelers just simply wouldn't pick up another, you know, assignment because it wouldn't be worth the pay. And then it would have the rebound effect because there'd be half the nurses available, so you're actually how can I put it? Like inflating, you know, it's about supply and demand, so you're actually making the supply even less less and you're making the demand even higher. So the rates are going to shoot up for the very few nurses that are even left, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So I think it would blow up in their face if they tried to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just I really love what you said about nurses finding their worth in the pandemic. And I think you are completely right. I think this has been a huge awakening. I think nurses have had a huge awakening. Yes. And, you know, the pandemic just brought to light all the things that we've been struggling with for our entire careers for years. Yes. Because, like you said, nurses have been exploited since, like, the beginning of time. (laughs) (laughs) Since Florence's day, nurses have been exploited and asked to trump out on battlefields and save save wounded soldiers and... It's totally true. You're right. I think awakening is the perfect word 
Mm-hmm. Like we are awake now, we know our worth and we're just simply not going to settle for less than what we deserve. And I think that is amazing. I really do. And I honestly, I don't like the narrative that, you know, when I watch the news and stuff, they have kind of their narrative that they're telling the public. It's like, oh, these travel nurses are so greedy They're And I'm like, no, we're not greedy. We're asking to be paid what we deserve, the fair market value. And it's mm-hmm. interesting because even nurses have told me, well, you should be thankful for the money that you are getting because it's more than what you made as a staff nurse. And I'm like, no, that's those are the nurses that are actually exploited by companies. Mm-hmm. They're just thankful for the little bit they've got, but they're not being paid the fair market value. If you go out and let's say you live in California and your house is worth a million dollars, right? And you're like, you know what? I'm going to move to Texas. And, you know, maybe all the houses in that neighborhood are $100,000, but the real estate agent is like, oh, they're from California. So we're going to charge them $700,000 because it's less than what they were paying. It's less than that million. Are you Mm going to take that? You're going to be like, no, I want fair market value. If everyone else in the neighborhood, their house is, you know, 100K, I want to pay 100K. And I feel like it should be the same. It's the same thing as a travel nurse. It's not, oh, thank you so much. It's a little bit more than my staff job. No, I want to be paid fair across the board. Mm-hmm. I should not walk onto my assignment and another travel nurse is being paid $2,000 more a week than me. That is not fair. That is the true definition of exploitation, if you ask me. And one thing I do want to say about the letter, I'm kind of torn about how I feel, right? Because as a travel nurse, I don't want to be exploited. So I think the investigation would be pretty eye-opening to see how much these agencies are really taken. But the other part of me doesn't want the investigation because I think it is a very interesting that they want to investigate the profits these um, agencies are making from, you know, the pandemic because there's many, many, many people who've exploited this pandemic, including hospitals, including mm-hmm. these insurance companies that charge you, you know, if you, everyone knows how much your bill is if you go to the ER or something like that, or if you get a Tylenol pill, it costs you $35 if you get it in the hospital. No one's talking about that. No one's, well, let's investigate how much these hospitals are charging right. for, you know, the meds that we're taking or the ultrasound that you got. Like, yeah. so I just find it very interesting that they're picking on nurses and these agencies. Why are you not investigating, you know, how much these insurance companies are charging us and how much these hospitals are? Because in a way, that's exploitation as well. I mean, there's so many people who made, quote unquote, made money from the pandemic. Think about all the people who, I don't know, were selling cloth masks for $20, that, you know, aren't even sufficient mass, but they took advantage of the pandemic. No one's, you know, investigating them and how much profits they made. And now you can walk into CVS and get a free mask. So <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting that they want to investigate the agencies. And um, I don't, as a nurse, I don't like that feeling because I think it just comes down to, like we just said, nurses know our worth and we're getting paid and that's a good thing. And the government didn't have a problem when these hospitals were making a profit, increasing their profit margins. But mm-hmm. you got a problem when these agencies are. I don't like that. There's there's so many other things they could be investigating. Yeah. They could be investigating ratios. They could be investigating like nurse retention. There's so many things that they could be investigating. 
but y'all want to talk about money. Like, let's talk mm-hmm. about the real root of the problem. Let's talk about why nurses are actually leaving the bedside. <laughs> yes. Let's investigate that. <laughs> yes. And if we want to implement a federal law, if we really want to implement a federal law, let's start off, like you said, why are patients, why are nurses leaving the bedside? A lot of it has to do with ratios. So if there's any federal law, if there's any federal investigation, let's talk about these ratios and let's let's put in a federal law that regulates these nurse-patient ratios. That's something that would actually be beneficial. Exactly. This is why I really want to learn. That. Yes. <laughs> this is why I really want to learn about policy making and stuff. <laughs> yes. It's just so, oh gosh, it's so much. I know. Wow. Well, I know so, so many nurses are going to benefit from this conversation. I know that you answered most of the questions. I know I get a lot as a nursing instructor about people that are already interested in travel nursing. You hit all of that. (laughs) If, if you had one last piece of advice for someone that maybe is like on the fence, like thinking, Ooh, maybe this could be for me. I don't know. What is like one thing that you would say to somebody thinking about making this jump? I think it's, ultimately comes down to, I feel like right now, a lot of nurses are not happy in their career. And for me, travel nursing ultimately came down to work-life balance and career satisfaction. Travel nursing helped me fall back in love with my career. I chose to be a nurse because I love it. But as a staff nurse, I was completely burnt out and ready to quit. And I thought I didn't want to be a nurse at all anymore. But I realized, you know, in hindsight, it wasn't because I didn't love nursing. It was just simply because I was in a toxic work environment. I was underappreciated, completely overworked and severely underpaid. And travel nursing gave me the opportunity to change that. So if you're unhappy and you want to change that, you're unhappy in your nursing career, the fastest and easiest way to change it, in my opinion, is travel nursing. Put in your two weeks notice, folks. (laughs) If this wasn't your sign, if this wasn't your sign to do it, I don't know. I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) I'm signing dangerous. It's a dangerous game having a conversation with me. I'll have you quit in your job, girl. I just, I don't even know where to to lead this outro, (laughs) to be perfectly honest. I do. Okay. I know where to lead it. I'm quitting my job. I'm quitting my job. I am signing up for the course and I'm going to be a travel nurse. (laughs) I'm done. I'm done. Okay. You heard it. You heard it here on the WOMED. (laughs) Jack's no longer a teacher. As soon as she graduates, she is going to be a traveling NP. Doesn't Sarah she just does. make you want to travel? Like, I'm like, why am I? I don't think I don't think a travel nurse injector is really a thing or should be a thing, though, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think that should be a thing. Just, you you can travel and inject all the nurses that are traveling. I'm coming up with random business ideas for you. Okay. Anyway, so I think that this episode will be so, so, so helpful if you're thinking about traveling, if you're kind of on the bubble, or if you already are traveling and you're ready to like up level and start getting um, the contracts that you deserve. Please, please, please go find Sarah on Instagram. She is absolutely hilarious. Her reels are freaking so funny. You can find Sarah at Sarah, that's S A R A H 
underscore gains, G-A-I-N-E-S. So on Instagram, that's Sarah with an H underscore gains. And she also has a specific Instagram handle at travel nurse course. And that is specifically for her six figure travel course. And then of course, either through either of those Instagrams or just go straight to saragains.com. You can find her six figure travel course there through her website. And ugh, as she said, there will always be room for travel nurses and travel nursing. So go hit Sarah up. <laughs> yeah. Travel nursing isn't going anywhere. And as Sarah would say, that's the tea. WOMED out.